Hey guys, it's Mary Lou from Rated Oz Radio. I just want to make a note that I interviewed Lockie Dowley, who is my special guest on the show tonight, a couple of weeks before he came up to Queensland, which we spoke about in the interview. That was on March the 6th. He came up with the incredible Jackie Barnes, extraordinary killer drummer, and Chris Pearson on bass, and they were absolutely sensational, just blew everybody away. I actually got to film the guys, and then sadly COVID-19 hit, and there were a lot of restrictions and a lot of things shut down in our industry, as it did all over the globe. Lockie is doing amazing things, and his new release for his vinyls are coming out, as well as his Voodoo Child, which he had on YouTube, which has had even more hits than what you'll hear in the interview. So, sensational guy, lovely fellow, incredible player on the Whammy Clavinet. So, enjoy! Hi everybody, it's Mary Lou Monroe Ray from Rated Oz Radio and today I have an incredible guest who's graciously given us some time to have a chat to him about his illustrious career and his upcoming tour. So I would like you all to give Lockie Doley a great big welcome to Rated Oz Radio. Lockie, thank you so much for joining us today. What a pleasure to have you. Oh, my pleasure, Mary. Yeah, it's good to finally uh, make this chat happen. <laughs> yes, I know. Either I was in Sydney and you were up here or vice versa. So <laughs> thank goodness for technology. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, to start with, you're on your No Keys Left Unbroken tour at the moment. So yep. you still have a couple of dates in Victoria? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of dates. We're only, only two weeks in at the moment. So, yeah, we're heading down to a, our third weekend in Victoria this weekend before coming up your way. Yes. So that'll be at Hota on the Gold Coast on the 5th of March and here at the Dubop Jazz and Blues Bar in Brisbane in Edward Street for the 6th of March, which is exciting. The 6th, that's right. Yeah. And then we actually go down to Byron Way on the 7th. Okay. So we've got that little little cluster of cool gigs. Yeah, that's great. And to have some nice time near the ocean. <laughs> yeah, <doubt>. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> we all need that. Okay, so to start with, though, I'd really like to talk a little bit about your own journey, and then we'll get back to your tour and the recent huge tour you just did. But just to start with for some of our listeners, how did your journey as a musician and artist begin? Now, I know you and your brother Clayton both play the Hammond organ, and yep. um, you're certainly known now as the Jimi Hendrix of the Hammond organ these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Jimmy would agree. Did you both as kids learn how to play the organ or was it a passion or something you came across that inspired you to start playing? Well, it was mainly, you know, we were very lucky we had a piano, an upright piano at home. Mm. And uh, my um, my mum was going out with this kind of crazy sort of hippie pot-smoking blues guitar player and um, he would... He was always playing vinyl records of all these old blues artists like Muddy Waters and mm. um, Elmore James 
Lounge and uh, all sorts of great stuff. And there was lots of Ray Charles as well. And, and he'd play guitar. And eventually, Clay and I sort of started trying to emulate what was going on on the piano. So, you know, we were playing, trying to copy those great piano players like Pinetop Perkins and Otis Spann and things yeah. like that. And, and uh, yeah, it was it was really fun actually just sort of jamming away and trying to trying to um work out how it all worked and there wasn't really any kind of piano lessons in there i think um might have been a couple of dodgy classical ones very early on but that i think that was even sort of years before yeah and um yeah so that's, that's the introduction to music anyway and then from there discovered the organ and then started Oh, I was doing gigs at the age of 15, I remember, wow. around that late. And, um, and luckily it's sort of like playing the organ, there was a real shortage of, uh, of organ players. So, um, managed to actually start working pretty, pretty quick actually in, in Adelaide. And then mm-hmm. from there moved on to Sydney and, and then started getting some ho- higher profile gigs really quite quickly. So, yeah, like I think I was playing with Jimmy Barnes when I was 19. Been doing his, his gig on and off since then, which is, 20 odd years ago now yeah 1995 <laughs> i think wasn't it you started or well before then but no 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 1995 i was only 13 oh okay uh, okay so I think, I no i was no 15 15 that's right yeah um but you know you've got a background with the hands glenn hughes billy thorpe powder finger of course mahalia barnes jimmy's daughter is what daughter yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you play with Jackie Barnes on drums, of course, and then uh, Joel Burton on bass, who's they both that's in, with That's you. my band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's great having band. those guys. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah. Powderfinger. I did that for, I did sort of six years with them, the final, final kind of six years, which was awesome. And yeah, Billy Thorpe, I played with him. Yeah. Sadly, you. three, three nights before he passed away. Oh, wow. But uh, he was a real mentor to me. Um, I was yeah. playing actually at, did my first shows with Billy before I did any with Jimmy. Oh, yeah, I've, I, I was. He was just an amazing, amazing person to to be around. Very, very generous and with his yeah. time and his spirit and mm. yeah. Oh yeah, yes. I miss him, miss him every day. Such a legend, and you know it still resonates with so many people, as many of the greats do. And for you to come as well, I mean, you're, you know, you've had. I think it was. A live performance you had on Facebook that's already had 4.8 million hits for Stops Listening to the Blues. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, Stop Listening to the Blues, which is an absurd title for a blues artist. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll explain. It's actually, when I say the blues, I mean those uh, voices in your head. Sort of a little bit about depression, I suppose, that song. Not about the blues music. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Yeah. so... uh, that one, yeah, that one's reached 4.9 million, I think, now, wow. views. And, yeah, there was recently I just did a did uh, something on the Whammy Clav of Voodoo Child, which shot up mm. to over a million within a week. So yes. I've been really lucky that I've had so many of these videos kind of kind of really shoot up. I think it's just because yeah. of the uniqueness of, of the way I play and some of the instrumentation I play as well. And, yeah, yeah. it's been really, it's been really cool. Yeah, well, you're you're the the keys man, you know. You're the master. You've had some great compliments from Glenn Hughes, and uh, who was in Deep Purple and Bootsy Collins as well from James Brown. Um, like anybody that I sp- speak of, and I always say, "Oh, yeah, 
listen to Lockie Daly, man, just <laughs> check the guy out. He's just a killer on the keys and that whammy clavinet. So yeah. how did you come across that? Was that's like a very unusual instrument or did you have it? Had you seen that before? Or did you have that custom built or? Well, I've, I've often played a clavinet, which is yeah. a, um, which is a, it's a seventies keyboard, sixties, seventies keyboard, fully stringed. Yeah. Um, uses the same kind of strings inside as a guitar, same kind of gauges, but there's a string for every key, like a piano. Yeah. And, um, so I'd often played that, like, that's the sound of superstition, you know, that's what's Yeah, Stevie yeah. And the Adams is. family. <laughs> Adams family. Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe. I, just I can't hear that, it myself, but you never know. It might yeah. Be <laughs> The sound came into my head, but I certainly can uh, relate to superstition with uh, the wonderful Stevie Wonder. Yeah, yeah, funky... so, um, that's kind of the, yeah. the sound of it. But someone told me years and years ago that there was this clavinet that had a whammy bar inside wow. that, that stretched all the strings. What? What do you mean? That sounds unbelievable. So um, for years, I had in my head the the concept of this clavinet with a whammy bar but just never never could never find it and this um, someone told me this like 20 years ago at least mm. and then um when i finally got the internet i started doing searches on the internet and i still couldn't find anything about it and eventually in 2007 a clip of george duke playing a clavinet with a whammy bar was posted up on youtube oh, wow. and uh, i discovered it and then i was like oh my goodness it's real it's actually real <laughs> yeah. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So then it was like I went on this voyage of trying to find out how to get one and yeah. trying to find if, if, if any were up for sales. I was just forever scouring, you know, eBay and for Clavinet and yeah. all around the world and to find one. And then I couldn't, you know, the, couldn't find or even evidence of how it worked, you know, yeah. the photos of inside one and maybe I could make something or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't until 2011 um, uh, a company in California actually bought the patent to, uh. of the design of the third-party whammy bar and, and had started making a couple and, and putting them in old clavinets. And mm. uh, I was lucky enough to just buy one that had already installed and have oh, that shipped cool. over, yeah. Oh. I think it was 2011, 2012, I can't actually remember well, we're um, so glad that happened. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, me too. It's just like an extension of you and like being a guitarist, keys, organ player. It's just like it's just the most incredible instrument. And I think that's really your method of playing and your passion and fire that you produce on stage because you're, you're all part of that. Like your whole body, everything is there and it you can't help but, get along in there with you and go, man, this guy is just amazing. I think you were, was it 2011 or 12? You were up here and there'd been some flooding and I know they moved you to a different gig and my dear friend Tony Burns, um, who passed away, who was a freelance producer, we were there and you were playing and I just went, man, i got to go and talk to this guy. This guy's genius. And they're all like, <laughs> well, we're coming too. We want to go meet him. <laughs> so... Wow. And, you know, and ever since then, I mean, you've just your expansion and your um, evolvement as a musician around the world and the globe has just been incredible because of your talent. And you obviously it was your instrument. It was just the right time connecting with you and you were the man to do it. 
<laughs> so seriously. Yeah, it was definitely very good timing and that, that came in came into the world for me to discover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, I remember that gig, I remember that gig, yeah, it was meant to be at Rick's Bar. And yes, The weather right. was torrential and it got flooded. Yeah, our lovely wet season, which we're coming out of slowly here in Queensland, but um, hopefully exactly. it'll be nice and dry when you get up here. So in March, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, let's hope so. Well, it's only a week, only a week and a half away. Yeah, I know, and I really want to get there. So, would you call yourself a visual or audio person, or a bit of both that you get moved by, or is it just sound that sparks you? Do you ever see things or get inspired by things that you see to uh, create your music, or? The sound you create? Not, not so much, I would say. No, I'd, I'd say it's more music for me, more, more music, audio. Yeah. Is what, yeah. Is what sort of um, I get excited about. Yeah. That's but I do, sound. especially what I get inspired by. I can't say I, I, um, I'm inspired too much to just, say, get creative by things, things that I see. Usually, not that yeah. I don't appreciate beautiful things, beautiful things and interesting yeah. in visuals, but. Maybe it's more of a um, something I should actually uh, assertively try and do and see what well, happens. But <laughs> I actually think you do that in your performances, but I just wondered, like, when you're in that writing mode or you get inspired, like, what's your main goal when you're writing or performing or composing something? Does that come into it, your head, the music changed. or it's lyrics? Sort of, it's changed over the years, actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. When I first started, it was all about... It was all about the songs and the lyrics and trying to make that as, I suppose, emotive as I, as I could yeah. in just audio and I guess not thinking about the visual at all. But over the years, I've, I've, I've worked out, you know, that performing live is what I love doing the most. Yeah. yeah. So, and I've realised, well, after my very first album, I realised that I didn't really particularly like playing these songs live, <laughs> even though I really loved the songs. Yeah. So it was a weird thing. Yeah. Um, mm. And I didn't think they, they really suited the way I, I sang and the way I performed, and they didn't yep. really showcase what I do better than anyone else. Yeah. There are millions of people who can sing better than I can and have got these, you know, but there aren't millions of people in the world that can do, you know, can play the clavinet the way I do, play the organ the way mm. I do. So it was like, okay, well, I really want to perform. That's what I want to do. So I'm going to write albums that I think will translate as best as possible live yeah. and showcase everything I do and then try and get as much emotion and feeling in there yeah. once I've got those yeah. um, factors as well. I suppose just taking in all of those things into account into yeah. the songs instead of just focusing on purely writing the most beautiful and emotive lyrics with the most beautiful and emotive melody I can, yeah. <laughs> if any of that makes sense. Yeah, it does because, I mean, really most things come through that connection in your soul and how you view life and what you're passionate about. And clearly when you sing, I mean, you've got a great voice, don't discount that, but I, I know what you're saying when you compare to sort of people like Andre Pacelli and things like that. But yeah. when you're performing and that's your passion and that's your love, it just 
takes over. Like it's just you're there and you just give it your all and you hear it and people feel it. They see it in your performance when you're on the keys, when you're playing the clavinet, because it's also part of your voice, your instrument. So you, you're sort of this, all these beautiful components <laughs> in one instrument that is just, you know, a visual delight to be part of and to actually be there live you know, I'm sure blows so many away. Yeah. I, well, I a, get where a, you're coming from. Yeah, it's a big energy on stage, that's for sure, and there's a, there's a lot of passion in there. And, and with that songwriting and, and with the way I, I sing, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's similar sort of what I was saying before in the fact that, like, if you heard, heard me do those early songs, you may not think I'm – you may not have said that I'm a good singer, potentially, but know my voice really well now and yeah. what I can do with my voice and where it sits best and, and what's most exciting. I can also write to my voice now yes, as well. That's right. So I know that I know I can hit that and that would be really exciting. I know I can do this and, yep. and, and put them in the songs as well. So, yeah. um, to, to really give it the full spectrum. That's what I love about live music. That's what I love about this industry. And it's so great that we still have places that play live music and have concert places and festivals where you can be showcased with what you do so amazingly, incredibly well. Yeah. It's, yours is a brand of its own, really. So, and what you do, it's unique. You don't really collaborate with other people or write with other people or? Uh, I have in the past, but I, I haven't done too much of that of late. Yeah. I think, um, you get so busy and, uh, and you get, especially with the, with the family and, and, and having a little one. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just hard to, to make the time, even though you probably should to go out and specifically go, okay, I'm going to reach out to this person or reach out to that person and, and we're going to get something happening. Yeah. When all of a sudden you're at home and you find you're already writing something and it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to. I'm just going to keep writing and yeah, but and, and see where this goes. Yeah. But uh, I've certainly had some great experiences collaborating in the past, and, and I've yeah. had some ones that maybe not so great. But that's fine too because it's all it's all learning, and and you might uh, yeah. you might end up getting something out of that anyway that you you didn't expect. Yeah, that's right. You tend to refine yourself and you tweak things, and you understand your preferences and where your passion lies, and those that are kind of that get you you know, that are on the same page and are eager and excited to create too and be part of that. So, yes. and even your audience that follows you and your fans. So it's a, it's an amazing process. It's always interesting. Even if you sang a cover song, you know, that song can evolve because you might play it and come from a very different perspective. <laughs> and that's the yeah. joy in creating. That's, that's what I Quite. love. Yeah, quite often on stage, like if I do covers, I'll say, this is a song that slightly resembles this song. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, or one that I wish I'd written. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I I love what you do. I mean, obviously you're getting a lot of video play from even some covers, but a lot of your own stuff now, which is exciting. So you did a huge world tour, and I have to – I mean, you were in – Montreal, the Jazz Festival, the Boobop Festival in the Netherlands, the Great British uh, Rhythm and Blues Festival in the UK, and Blues on Broadbeach. Are you doing that this year in Australia? Oh, we're not doing that this that year, no. This year? Too so busy elsewhere? We're doing our, we're doing our 
uh, who to give instead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. That's all right. We're That's building one, them up. one Gold Coast show for the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're building them up, getting them ready. <laughs> yeah. And That's then, right. I thought because we weren't doing Blues on Broad Beach and I know I've got such a great, great fan base from doing that awesome festival. I think I've done it six times now. Wow. The last nine years. <laughs> yeah. Well, they'll notice that you're not there, so they'll they'll have to rush to the Hota. You know, yeah. on the Gold Coast on the 5th of March. So where are you selling your tickets? Through Tiki Tech or through a different, through their own venue that they do? Uh, I can't remember what it is, but the easiest way to get there is just lockydolly.com forward slash Hoda. Hoda, so, okay. Yeah, and of course, H-O-T-A. Yeah. So, and you're here at the Do Bob Jazz and Blues. I hope I've said that right, guys. That's the, the following night. So, yes. yeah, same thing, lockydolly.com then, slash Doobop. Yeah. <laughs> or just swing like up the doobop bar. Yeah, yeah, keep it simple. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, what's... Where will we? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. What's the one thing you would like to be remembered for, do you think? As oh, remembered for? Um, mm. I don't know. Uh, I, I suppose I'd like to be remembered as a bit of a innovator and, and of, of musical styling, I suppose, of, um, of, of, certain techniques of you know in the way i play that i think are quite different and uh yeah i think that's probably what i'd like to be remembered most for is mm-hmm. to have some kind of influence on um the younger generation and the way they play yeah um mm-hmm. which is which is something i've also done with my course i actually sell online courses and i've got a yes. lot of young students from all around the world I think that's what I get most excited about as far as a legacy goes. Um, what I like, you know, what I, what I would like to do is to tour and to play as much as I can. But what I want to re- be remembered for, I think, is is to be uh, kind of unique and um, and maybe have some kind of influence on yes. on keyboard players. from now on that would be awesome (laughs) yes i'm sure there'll be many and you know your online course i think i posted that on rated oz radio when you were doing that and that continues to grow and people can get subscriptions to your course so that they can learn from this master and (laughs) can only motivate people when you inspire them and you know you're you're somebody that inspires me and makes me go, I really should get my keyboard out and start learning those triads again and go over my scales and start yes, writing. Right. Yes. <laughs> so I've, that's why I've created my new business and I want to get, you know, moving more into the songwriting and things. People like yourself, I just love sharing your work and people that really inspire young folks today because they're really the next world that we're creating in music and music is one thing that's uh, a global shared entity that everybody wants to engage in in some form or another but i think live is the best thing it yeah just, it's just playing playing music energy. with other musicians as well yeah. it's just yeah it's a magical thing it is you know the holy grail i suppose of, of selling millions of albums or or that sort of thing is i think I think that needs for just to be real probably needs to be put yeah secondary really mm-hmm. um, if that's your your main goal I think it's going to be music's going to be tough yeah or, unless you're an absolute just without doubt a billion times better than anything that's ever been put out <laughs> <laughs> which is possible <laughs> yes um, yeah but there's you know there's 
so much amazing amazing music out there and i think it's hard for for people to cut through the incredible back catalog of awesome music yeah and <laughs> it's a bit it, sad isn't it well, it is it is it's it's changed a lot with live streaming and different things like that too but you know it's a, a growing and different generation i suppose what yeah. would you what would you like to see change and what do you think should stay you've always found was rock solid in music uh, as far as the way music's made or the way yeah, it's well or? yes i mean it keeps recycling too you know there was cassette tapes and then there were cds and then dvds and then now live streaming and then now vinyls coming back it also it has a life of its own that keeps recycling for what's the growing trend is but technology is certainly changing a lot of kids you know i see or anybody is usually on their devices um always listening in but if you what would you say for you know, young kids getting into the industry that just want to be part of this industry. What what would you say, um, as a wise man who's already been in the industry for twenty years and you've worked really hard at that, and you know a lot of things have come your way. I guess because of your love and commitment and passion, would you say? Or yeah, yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, I think hard, hard work has been a big big part of what I do but it, yeah. but I think it's also been lucky that I've been sort of fairly unique and I don't know if I planned that I would actually almost say that through some of my limitations I've warped and fused a whole bunch of potentially unorthodox things together <laughs> <laughs> to uh, create something to create something different and you know I think there's a lot to be said for that as well yes in, in any, any part of yeah. art or, or 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 innovation or creation um yeah. you know i think uh, limitation sometimes can bring out the best in people you know i never thought of myself thought of myself as uh the best keyboard player or, or mm. you know i always looked at other keyboard players and thought that they were so much better than than I could I could never do that and then I'd try and do things like them and I wouldn't do it properly I'd do it my own way and then I'd discover this new stuff and yeah. like and then I'd do this and that and and then all of a sudden those keyboard players go how in the world do you do that <laughs> you know so yeah. it's a yeah I think uh, and so the same with with um, production and things like yes. that I think I think that's that is a struggle with with everyone today is that. There, there aren't so many limitations when it comes to production. You could, you could, you could basically produce any kind of sounding track with any kind of instrumentation yep. that you desired on your computer these days at the snap of a finger. You don't, yes. you don't have that one guitar that was left by Uncle Joe over there and that, that weird keyboard from wherever over there <laughs> and, that, and that one keyboard that has six sounds that you've, 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 you know, saved up for six months to get. So it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and that, all that stuff shapes, you know, your direction. But when you just, it's just the ultimate blank canvas these days. So it's, uh, yeah, mm. I think that makes it tricky, but, but I think it means you have to make, you know, decisions and then you've got to stick to them. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, there is so much out there. It's like that movie, um, 1900, where the guy played piano and he was on a ship for, pretty much all his life 
And one day he decided to get off because he'd fallen in love and he decided to get out in the port in New York. And he stopped halfway down the gangplank because everybody was, oh, wow, it's the first time he's ever left. And his hat blew off and he just sort of looked around at the city in front of him at the New York skyline and he turned around and he walked back up. And the guy that found him said, you know, what made you change your mind? You could have had the love of your life, all those things. And he went, I don't know how you can make just, you know, pick one car or one place to live when you have so much in front of you. He said, I have 88 keys. And he said, but I can write an infinite amount of creation with those keys. And he said, that's enough for me. And I, I just loved that movie. That was just, the creation comes from us. You know, your tools are what you're given, but everything comes from within you, I believe. So yeah, what you wow, that's great. To. Yeah, it's a great movie. 1900. My son actually put me onto that one. So um, he's a very wise young man and <laughs> <laughs> very insightful. So I know we're sort of running out of time a little bit here because you've got obviously big things to do. So with your tour now, you were obviously very well received in many countries. Is there anything you would say or give advice to people that haven't gone internationally to tour? You know, has that helped your career? Has it increased your fan base? Were you welcomed and received, you know, in most places? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest piece of advice is just to to expect that it's going to be tough and it's probably going to be tough for mm. a long time unless you really break through in a big way on uh, in in um, on Spotify or something like that or, or the major label. Um, yeah. But it's going to be tough and I've, I mean, I've got a great fan base globally and I get offers to do uh, lots of festivals mm. overseas and to, to big crowds. But... Um, you know, even, even, you know, I guess what you get paid for those things, it's always, it's always a trade off from the, the time mm. that you're away. And, yeah. and, you know, this, you're probably coming back at the very best for me in my situation. I'm probably coming back with what I could have earned if I stayed, but, yeah. um, but I'm having these amazing, amazing experiences yeah. overseas. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's, it's a slow trajectory that I, I'm sure that will reach a point where that's a bit different yep. later on down the track. Oh, I think it will. But, um, yep. but it has been five years I've been going overseas now. And wow. It's sort of, it, it, rather than um, more successful, I'm getting more broad so I can do the same thing uh, yep. over in Canada. I can do the same thing over in the US. I can do the same thing over in a different part of Europe or the same thing. And, uh, yeah, so it's a, that's where it's at for, for me. Yeah. So I think it's just um, just be just be prepared to work incredibly hard and uh yeah it's it's full-on touring over there much i find it's much tougher than than touring Mm. in your own neighborhood that's for sure and um, but it's also the reward of doing it is much greater as well just the 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 experiences you get and the wonderful places you get to see and just trying to get through to that next level i don't know if i'll ever do maybe i will maybe i won't i hope i do (laughs) i'm sure you will lucky you're already making 
sensational news around the world. And it's such a pleasure to have you here. So, you know, obviously with distribution and things and your fan base, you know, that's going to keep increasing because you are reaching a global audience now um, from all the touring that you've done. Um, it must be really great and well-received when you come home and go to these places with, you know, very proud Australians that um, are here. And, I mean, I originally came from Canada. Sometimes you can hear my accent, but I've been here a very long time in Australia. And it's a great place. There's incredible talent that comes out of this country. And um, sure is. No question of that. Yeah. You know, it's... um. So many people are just so proud of other Aussies when they're over there and they're just showing them what, you know, what comes out of this country. It's a continent and a country and an island all in one. So, you know, <laughs> trifecta. <laughs> and look what we, what we create here, you know. So what would you say you are grateful for the most in your life at the moment? Grateful? Yeah. I think just to be able Thank to... You to be able to balance, you know, my beautiful family and my five-year-old son. And and in between that, I get to, um, you know, play music to to all sorts of different people in all sorts of different places. And And with great, great other Yeah, it's it's an amazing thing to be able to to do all that, and I hope I can keep all that going for for as long as I can. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will. So if people want your music now, where can they find you? So on www.lockydowley.com? Yeah, on... I'd generally say that just just put in any dodgy spelling of Lockie Dolly, <laughs> Lockie Shaw for Lachlan, like any dodgy one just into Google, yep. and then you'll be able to find my website, you'll be able to find my Facebook, my Instagram, all that yep. sort of stuff, whichever thing that you are most active on or which suits you. So, yeah, yep. any dodgy spelling of Lockie Dolly. Because he's, he's a, <laughs> a world-renowned name now, so it doesn't matter. You'll see the guy with the whammy clavinet and the ham and organ videos and lots of fans. So, Lockie <laughs> Dolly, ah, I'm so excited that you're coming up here again. Thank you so much for your time. You're oh, an amazing artist. Oh, it's a pleasure. And I can't wait to get this out on Rated Oz Radio and get my links across to the UK and to the US so that um, the listeners there can listen as well. So Sensational. Yeah. So have a, what's today hold for you? Today I'm actually just setting up the microphone to sing on that version of Voodoo Child that I did, that Ooh. sort of that clip of Voodoo Child in the studio that kind of went nuts a few weeks ago. So I'm just yeah. about to put the vocal on that. Oh, and, great. Yeah. yeah. That was and if I get time, I'll do... Wider Shade of Pale too. So I'm doing all these oh, these new songs that are coming out are all covers. I've made a bit of a a um a, a plan to do a whole bunch of songs that people have been asking me to record for Great. years, and I thought, all right, stuff it, I'll do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear you. I can hear you already. The Wider Shade of Pale. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can hear your voice. Yeah, amazing. And and the emotive feeling. And you, it also, not just through your voice, it goes right into those fingers of yours on the keys and the Hammond. And, yeah, it's just great. You're just a one-man one man show with a lot of people that um, just enhance that too that are very talented. Jackie Barnes, of course, wonderful drummer, and Joel Burton, your bass player. Um, yeah, those guys are incredible. Yeah, and all the folks that usually get you up during the festivals as a guest, you know, are, must be just blown away to have you on stage with them. 
you know i'm sure you've inspired many people so i i'm looking forward i try and get up to see you and um i'll talk to you a little bit after we sign out so thanks again for your time Lockie. uh this is Radio at oz radio here in brisbane australia in queensland and uh we're signing out thanks again Lockie. have a great day See. folks thanks See you, everyone. See ya. Bye.